Today on Sexually Woke with Dr. Susan, I'm speaking with a Houston icon, Rachel Gower, the CEO and founder of the Upper Hand Salons, the best salon in Houston, winner of multiple awards, also mother of twins and all-around fantastic woman. Hi, and thanks for joining me on this week's episode of Sexually Woke with Dr. Susan. I am so excited today to have an amazing guest who's actually a really good friend. And Rachel Gower and I have known each other for, I hate to say this, but it's been about 20 years, right, Rachel? Because it has. We still look like we're 30, but apparently we're not. Yes. (laughs) And we can judge this because our kids are getting older. So we'll talk about that. But uh, Rachel is someone who I've always just so admired because, you know, when we're talking about women who've just gone out there and made it work for themselves. I mean, she is just an icon in Houston. She's the CEO and founder of The Upper Hand. If you're in Houston, you know The Upper Hand is the best salon ever. It's won every award that salons can win. They've opened new locations. Um, Rachel's been on everything, radio, television, magazines. She looks like a model. She's a mother of twins. One of those people that you just think has everything figured out. And I'm sure life is not perfect, Rachel, but when we look at you, it definitely looks like it is. So welcome. Well, that was literally the best introduction a person could hope for. That was very sweet. And I definitely don't have everything figured out. So I'm glad we're talking. Thank goodness. Because, you know, let's start by that actually, because I get this sometimes and I wonder if you do like, and I'm not even going to compare myself to you. So I don't mean to do that, but those of you who know Rachel, and if you can just look at her little picture that you'll see here um, on this podcast, and you know you're gorgeous. I remember one of the first times I saw you when I was in the salon as a client, you know, maybe twenty some years ago, and I'm like, this woman, oh my gosh, she's like beautiful and graceful and kind and everything, and just who is this woman? And then I realized you were the owner of this place, and you were quite young at the time, and. I, you told me this story a long time ago, but so you go to college and you, you know, but master in business. And then how do you start this business that is so amazing and caters to men and women, but, you know, primarily women to just help right. us all feel fabulous? Like what gave you this idea and how do you make it happen? You know, I've always been very into, I, I, we talk about self-care a lot and I've always been into self-care. And so it's just, it's a really funny story. And sometimes people ask me that qu- exact question. And I literally answer with, I have no idea how any of this happened because sometimes that's how I feel. And, you know, yes, there was a plan and, and there was, you know, business plan and, and all kinds of goals set and things like that. But so much, so much of it is just organic, you know, it just sort of happens. And, and that's one of the, the lessons I've learned is, not only in just life in general, but especially in business, it's like you have to, one of the most valuable um, skills is to be able to sort of pivot on a dime, you know, and like, if this isn't working, going this direction, then let's go this direction instead and see if that works. And, and I, that's been something that's really helped us, but we, you know, we were in graduate school and we wanted to start a business. And so it started, you know, at that time, 25 years ago, the, the spa thing had just started. So our concept originally was sort of a nail spa chain. And that's why the business is called the upper hand because we're mostly hair now. So it doesn't really make sense. So usually when I tell people that story, they go, Oh, I get it now. That's why it's called the upper hand. (laughs) 
I didn't know when that. I'm, when I'm talking to a 25 year old hairdresser, they're like, oh, you know, like you were being born when this happened. So, um, yeah. So then it just, you know, we decided to do that in Houston because my parents live here and, um, it, we shifted after about the first five years. Um, I had met you at that point and we shifted towards hair and then we never really looked back. And so now we're primarily a hair hairdressing company and it's been an incredible journey and probably one of the best things about it is the people that I get to meet. Um, not only people like yourself, but just, you know, the hairdressers and the amazing clients. I have met so many amazing people and had so many amazing opportunities because of the business that we're in. Well, so, and when you say we, I just want to clarify that oh, you yeah. did this with your husband mm-hmm. and this is your husband since the beginning. So not only you <laughs> did it with your husband, but you guys stayed together because I'm, yeah. I can tell you like often working together and being that closely associated that can create a lot of conflict in relationships. So how does that work? Because I, I, you know, I know both of you and I love your husband's amazing and your kids are amazing. And I know it's not, I'm sure it's not always perfect and no, nobody's relationship is perfect, but right. this is a different relationship than most of us have. You're actually working together all day. So how, yeah. how do you, how do we, how do you do that? Well, it's funny, you know, when we first started, um, the joke was that, you know, we started with one salon and then within about eight months, we opened the second salon. And the joke was that the reason we opened the second salon is so that we didn't have to cohabitate the same. <laughs> you can have your own one. Space. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you go over there and uh, that worked, that worked obviously, but, but it is, it really, I think it's something that you just like in any marriage and business and family and everything, you have to kind of um, sort of navigate the things that work and don't work. And um it's, it's definitely a challenge. Like it's, but you know, at the same time, I, I always feel like, I don't know that there's, um, another person that I could have gone into business with and, and done what, what we do, um, with, because, you know, there's that trust factor. Like you have to really, really trust the person and you have to be able to, you know, be completely open and honest about whatever it is you're talking about. And so, so all of that has just sort of, worked and fallen into place. And, you know, one of the original reasons why we wanted to do some kind of business together, um, you know, being young and naive and not really understanding what all that meant, but it was mostly because we wanted to be able to have children and to be in their lives as much as we possibly could. So we wanted to try to avoid the, you know, kind of like eight to five, banking jobs and, um, which a lot of our friends, you know, went that direction. And, and so we, we figured that if we had our own business, then we would have a little bit more control over our schedules. And it really did work out, you know, like you always look back at your kids' younger years and think, I've spent more time. Should I have done this? Should I have done that? But really ultimately, like when I look at it as a whole, this business did really allow us to spend as much time as we could with them. And, Hopefully they get that. Hopefully they, you maybe, know, maybe when they're when they're in their twenties or thirties, they might. <laughs> yeah. But I I love that idea that uh, so you and your husband came out of a business background. Like you could have done anything with that. Like you said, some of your friends went into banking or other you know typical yeah. business type careers. Which now you mentioned it. I mean that really does uh, create a loss of opportunity to manage your own time. So 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 you. 
I love this idea of creating your own future. And I don't know yeah. if you feel like you actually did that consciously. Like some of it you said is kind of an accident. I feel the same way about my business. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. Like my heart just sort of drew me that way. And there's some kind of faith that you had that it would work. I don't know. Or that's what I perceive anyway. And then you just sort of do it. But uh, do you think that's teachable to people? I mean, I, I or if it's something that you just are born with, because there's a you huge know, risk in doing this, right? And you- There's a huge- yeah, but really and truly, Susan, if you really think about it, the only reason that you were able to do that, and I, I should just speak for myself, but the, one of the reasons that I was able to do that is because I have opportunities that a, a lot of other people don't have, you know, like I had a support system. I have a, an amazing family. I had saved up money. You know, I had I had kind of created a situation. I mean, it wasn't just by accident. Like, obviously, we worked really, really hard, saved a bunch of money so that we could, you know, create that scenario to where we did have um, the schedule that we wanted to have. And, and of course, as you know, like I know better, you know better than anyone, like I always picture you running back and forth between your office and the hospital, like eight months pregnant, delivering babies. So, you know how hard it is, but, but yeah, so you know, in the beginning we worked loads and loads of hours and, and then like, just when you relax, that's when something happens and you have to go put out the fire, you know? So, so, um, I, you know, I guess, I think it's, it is teachable, but it's like very contextual, you know, you have to sort of be in that context and in that situation to see, um, really what works. And so I guess in that regard, as we created our business, we sort of looked at it and said, okay, so what's the best use of our time in this context? And um, that's a hard thing to do sometimes mm, for sure. You know, because there's, there's things that you want to do. And then there's things you don't really want to do, but you know that you should, because they're the really best use of your time. So I guess that's kind of how we've always figured it out. And, and it, it's not always the first thing, you know, sometimes it's, it's the second and third try, but um yeah, it's, I mostly just consider myself extremely blessed that I was even able to, to have that opportunity because yeah. most people aren't. Well, you're right. So there, so there's some, there's some opportunity. And then there's also a lot of people who have these opportunities and, and don't make those choices. So I'm really fascinated in what that is that people have. And, you know, the show's called Sexually Woke and I wrote the book called Sexually Woke, but it's not just about sex. Like this, this is that same idea actually that came up with, women who, you know, why do some women go one direction and some women go another? And it's, to me, it's sort of a similar type of a situation, whatever stage of life we are, if we're in our twenties and trying to decide what our career path is going to be, or if we're 50 and, and trying to decide, you know, what our second act is going to be, um, it all sort of comes down to having some sort of internal faith in yourself, I think, or at least that's oh, yeah. what I've discovered to just make that step. Or otherwise, we sort of end up on a conveyor belt. We're just kind of going along doing what we should do. Uh, yep. And so that I I don't know. I, I have a sense from what you're saying that that all ties together. So I think women who are who do that when they're in their 20s are, you know, probably more likely to do that when they're in their 50s, too, and still yeah. make life work. So so you did that when you were young and now yes. this and now history is I mean, what my it is. Act, and, as we say. <laughs> yeah, but I mean you have so now you have this amazing business and it's like incredibly successful and won all these awards and 
and here you are and, and now you're mature and the kids are almost about to go to college. And what is what does it feel like being here now? Like what it's what so now? Strange. It, it, don't you feel like you didn't ever think you were going to be this old? Oh, never. I would never get I, old. Yeah. I heard you say on one of your podcasts um, that you thought you were going to be the only person that didn't go through menopause. Oh, and yeah. I was like, yes, that's exactly what I thought, you know? Right. I totally still, I haven't gone through menopause yet. And so I totally still feel that way. Like I, I look at other people, I'm like, you're going to go through menopause, but I won't know anything about that, you know? Yeah. So, but I, so I, I'm so grateful that, that we kind of like, you know, I mean, we didn't really like chat for a long time because there was really no, no reason for me to be in your office. And so now I'm so excited that we've actually kind of rekindled this relationship because I, I'm, it's the perfect time in my life to really like learn everything that you've learned. And, um, it, it's been amazing. Trust me. I'm so appreciative for your help. Well, that is funny, isn't it? Like, cause when we're in the pregnant, we're pregnant and then we have little kids. And so you go into the doctor all the time and you, you know, seeing you gynecologist and, and, right. and then there's this sort of break. Now we, of course you're supposed to get your annual exam and probably we do, right. but it's sort of, it's a quick little thing, a pap smear, how yeah. the kids, and, yeah, yeah. but you're not really having any problems or, or we weren't. And then all of a sudden you get to be kind of 45 to 50 and it's like, Oh, now what? Yeah. <laughs> like, so, yes. um, Everyone knows what that was like for me because I've told my story like a thousand times. And, you know, if anyone looks at Rachel, you would think she's 35 and, you know, she's gorgeous and oh, you're so sweet, perfect and looks amazing. But does it feel different to you being your age, which is I'm not saying, but it's somewhere around about there? I am so totally fine with my age and I, I'm 52 and um, I I don't think of myself. I mean, I think you feel the same way. Like, I don't think of myself as 52. And sometimes, you know, when you catch a glimpse of yourself in the mirror with, without makeup on, you're like, oh my God, you know, like, <laughs> I am 52. Yes, I am. Um, and that's never fun, but, um, but, but no, I never, I never thought I was going to be like this, but I, like I said, I haven't gone through menopause yet. So for me, you know, I've always, one of my challenges has always been sort of body image and I've always worked out. I'm like you, I've, you're like way over the top though. Like I've, but I've always worked out and I've always been very um, concerned with, you know, health and fitness and things like that. And so it's very frustrating when you're, I've heard other you know guests that you've had talk about this when you're doing the same things and eating the same way and things aren't, you know, you're not getting the same results. So frustrating. Oh my God. It's so awful. even for you, even for you, Rachel, because like we people, people look at you, I'm guessing, because I do, I'm just saying, well, I look at you and think, oh, she wouldn't know anything about what it's like to try to be. <laughs> but people say that to me too. And like, that's really not true, right? It's hard. Like you don't look oh. like this, like you don't look like Rachel Gower without working really hard. And I'm sure it's not easy. And well, right. I mean, look at what you do. No, I mean, it's, it's, I think everybody feels that way. I think, I, I don't think it matters what you look like, you, you know, in your head, you never look the way you want to look or whatever. So you're never quite there. And that's been one of the things that I've really been trying to focus on in the last year. I mean, I guess 
really kind of since COVID is just trying to get past that because it's such a huge waste of time. Isn't it? I'm trying, you know what I mean? Like it yeah. just to, to spend time worrying about what you don't have or what you don't look like or what you haven't accomplished, you know, it's just a huge waste of time and it does nothing but kind of hold you down. Um, so one of my challenges and goals is to really um, kind of break through that and just be grateful for what I have and be grateful for what, you know, I'm yet to accomplish and, and be grateful for what, you know, my thighs do look like, even though I don't love my thighs. I mean, they just, you know, grateful that I have them. So, um, you know, that's, that's been a big challenge for me and something that I'm, I'm trying to really work on. I think that's one of the best things about getting older actually, is that we can have a little bit of wisdom and start working on things like that. Like for me, yeah, yeah when I was younger, uh, like many of us, I was just so obsessed with, you know, what, like you said, what I didn't have, like just being a few pounds thinner, or if I just had a little bit more muscle, or if I just could get fit into one size smaller, then everything would be okay. But it never ended. It was like, you'd get that. And then right. the, the, this constant wanting for things to be different and that feeling that we share and, and everyone shares this. And now our listeners all share it. It's part of being human, that feeling that there's something wrong with me, that if I just could fix it, then I'd be happy. But for me, like getting a little bit older, that's been the best thing about getting older, just to relax around that a little bit. And um, I hear people, because I teach about this, about this idea of just accepting yourself the way you are. And the first thing I hear is, oh, but if I just accepted that, wouldn't I just become lazy and like a blob and not do anything? And I think you're a really good example of this too. And I try to be, um, that that's really not the case at all. Like, But from a position of accepting myself, I can still work out and I can still eat healthy and I can still put on my makeup, but it's done from a different perspective of being right. okay instead of being desperate to change things. Is that, do you know what I mean? It's like totally so much more totally relaxing. But, but it is true. Like, I don't know about you, but I, I have to consciously make that decision every day, you yes. know, to like not obsessed over something. And, and because we're so trained to do that, because our generation was very much like, go, 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 go. There's no excuses. Keep going, keep going. Like, don't take a break. I mean, that's kind of how I was raised and I have amazing parents, but that was sort of the culture of our generation. And, um, and that's wonderful. Like we, I feel like we all accomplished a lot and everything, but you, you get that so ingrained in your mind that you have to keep going and keep going. So it's really hard to say, okay, you know what, I'm going to put this makeup on because it makes me feel good. And mm. I, I don't really care what anyone else thinks yeah. it's for me. And yeah. it's, it's a hard shift. It really is. And I, you're right. We are so conditioned that way that it just becomes part of what we do without even thinking. So when someone's asked me, like, what's the one thing you would tell women our age who feel kind of stuck in this rut, if there was just one thing you could tell them to do, and I don't like giving advice, but that was the question. And I had to think about it for a second. And I said, just, just make some time, some space to just sit still and just sit still and listen to your thoughts. And that that's where the self-care part comes in, I think, mm-hmm. because I love sitting still and getting my hair done or taking myself (laughs) out to, I mean, sitting still could be meditation and that's great too, a yoga, but this getting out of the idea that self-care is selfish, which is so important, I think, because I cannot be useful to my patients, my family, or even myself if I'm not peaceful and 
calm and I haven't taken care of myself. Yeah. So I totally agree. So let's talk about self-care. Like you, you, you know, you obviously spend time on self-care and that's so important, but you're in this beauty industry and I, I don't, I don't think many people, or maybe I didn't at least consider that aspect of it being a real haven for self-care that, that you're actually, it's almost therapeutic to go to the upper hand. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, hairdressers are your therapist and, and your confidant and your entertainment. And, and of course they make you look beautiful and all that stuff, but it really is true. Like it, it's, it's a piece of your life that you deserve. And I agree with you that it's really, really hard to carve out that time because again, we were conditioned to not do that. And so I had to really convince me. In fact, uh, uh, one of my employees was the one who finally convinced me that self-care was really important. Isn't that really funny. She's like Mm. 30 and she, she, you know, really, we were talking about meditation and just taking time out and how, when you do take time, when you do carve out time for yourself, the, um, results of that are exponential. You know, you're not only with your family, with work, professional, creatively, whatever it is that you're working on, you can really tell Hey, I took a step back so that I could like regroup here. And that's allowing my brain to, you know, be more energized and my body to be more energized. And so it's, it's just like that with self-care, you know, it it really is. And so the things that like, I'm not a massage person, like I I would never really go and, and have a massage, but for some people, that's exactly what they need to really, you know, rejuvenate for me, I would rather have someone play with my hair and and I do a lot. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things. So I always feel like whatever makes you feel good. And if you feeling good means that, you know, your gray is covered up and you're, you've got the perfect, you know, beachy wave and then great. That's what you should spend your money on. That's what you should do. And, and if that's not what makes you feel good, then maybe that's not a big part of your beauty budget. I think you but should add an extra service uh, which is to get like 10 or 15 more minutes of having your hair washed. You know, when they stick their fingers yeah. in your head, that's like the best. And it's never long enough. It's and, never long enough. And there's something about that you mentioned about playing with your hair. We've got all all these amazing nerves in our scalp that are incredibly pleasurable. So most people, I know some people don't like it, but not many. Almost everybody loves to get their head rubbed and we love to have our hair touched. And there's something really primal about that. Like, you know, I when, never had that, thought about it that when way. we were, yeah, you know, when right. you see monkeys, they, they're grooming each other. And I, so you're right. I, I love that. Um, and little girls brush each other's hair. There's something yeah. very basic and connecting about yeah. having your head and hair touched. I, I find it very, it feels like love to me. It feels like, yeah, um, yeah. It feels like love, like someone's rubbing my head. It's very personal. And because it really, it really is. Takes you back and, you know, to I'm that. So, yeah. I'm so used to seeing it. And, you know, I, I'm not actually a hairdresser myself, but I, I'm so used to seeing that that I never really thought of it that way. But it really is a very loving thing to do. It, it is. It's touch, it's connection. And especially if you go to the upper hand and you can have a glass of wine at the same time. Right. <laughs> now it's like, oh, this is just the best. Yeah. And you can, I try to put my phone down. I used to, you know, when I was working and I still am working, but, you know, I was doing all this business expansion and everything. I would get my hair done there and be on my phone the whole time. And now, now I actually have a habit of trying to 
master That's habit good- of actually putting my phone down and just really closing my eyes and enjoying the experience of somebody playing with my hair and massaging my yeah. head. And, and, you know, there's all these other ways we can experience self-care. But bottom line is it's it, – I just really – wish for everyone that they would not do what I did for the first 45 years and put it last, Exactly. but put it first, you know, um, put, right. your, put yourself first. And that's not selfish. It's not, it's hard to, it's hard to remember that sometimes though. Like even, even though you can acknowledge it now and I can acknowledge it now, um, you know, one thing my husband always used to say to me is, is, um, I would complain about, I, the way I looked or something like, let's say when I was 25 complained about the way I looked and he would say, you know, when you're 45, you're going to look back at a picture of yourself when you were 25 and you're going to say, Oh my God, I looked amazing. Isn't that true? And I was like, ah, whatever, you know? And so sure enough, you know, when you're 45, you look back. And, and so I always try to remember that because it's true now too. Right. Yes. So when you're, so, when you're 80, yeah, you're yes, going to think exactly. Like, oh. And so that brings me to thinking about our teenagers because um, yeah. Rachel and I have children almost exactly the same age. We have a funny story about that, um, but li- like literally within a few days of each other. Um, <laughs> so she has. Um, can I do you mind? I can talk about your kids. Please. So Rachel has a 17 year old um, twin girls who are seniors, and I have a 17 year old boy who's a senior, and they were born a few days apart. Two and then, days apart. Yes. And then I also have, I, I copied her and had twins. <laughs> I have 16 year old twin girls. So both of us know about, I want to specifically talk about girls. Boys have their own stuff. But in light of kind of what you're saying, I, I've heard my girls who, you know, when you look at our 16, 17 year old girls, their skin is perfect. They've got these perfect. round bottoms, no wrinkles. And they are completely my girls, at least, sometimes I hear them complaining about some part of their body they don't like. Oh, God, that breaks my heart. I know, isn't it? And, you know, we do everything we can as mothers not to, it's like, how do you, I've worried about this so much. Like, how do I manage this idea? Like, I don't want to give them any kind of body shame, but at the same time, I want them right. to be healthy. So we don't want them to eat a lot of junk food, but we don't want to tell them that they might get fat. It's like, ah, like you almost can't say right. anything, right? Exactly. And, um, nevertheless, they're they're on social media. They watch TV. They're getting infiltrated with all of this information, and we can't really prevent that. And so sometimes they'll look at their perfect, beautiful sixteen year old, seventeen year old bodies and say, "Oh, I don't like this part." And I think the same thing. Like, take a bunch of pictures because yes, <laughs> like, exactly. But you're right. Like we we could do the same thing because because totally, we we look totally. we look fantastic now, and when we're seventy, it'll be the same thing. But how do, I, how, well, how do you manage that with your girls? Like with uh, bo- you know, body image and beauty, and when when they were little, um, you know, like right when they were starting to understand life a little bit, um, I said to myself and to whoever else was around that I was never going to use the word fat. Like I would, I I would say, I'm never going to say the word FAT because I had an experience when I was um, probably 18 or 19, where a doctor told me I was fat and I had gained like, you know, like the freshman 15 or whatever. And she told me I was fat and she was trying to, you know, do me a favor and, and just kind of like do a tough love situation, but it really like stuck with me. Like I've never gotten that out of my head. So I, since I've always remembered that I, I did not want to do anything like that to my own kids. Like, of course you don't ever want to do that to your kids, 
So I just, that was one of my things. It's like, I'm never going to use that word. And um, I never have. And I don't know that it's because of that, but I don't get the sense that my girls um, worry about it very much. They, they, they seem to enjoy their lives and they, I try not to put pressure on them. You know, um, I, they know I expect certain things, but, but I don't put a lot of pressure on them. Um, they seem to kind of have balance in, in what they're eating. And um, one of them is, you know, very like vegetarian and dairy free and the whole thing, or her choice. It's the only thing I, my only complaint is it's really hard to cook dinner. At yeah, it is. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> you know, but, but, and then the other one is just like very blase. Like they don't, they don't, their, their worlds don't center around food. Oh, Which, isn't that? A, um, a, I I hope that's the case for this yeah. new generation because we grew up, at least I did, and you mentioned the same for you, being yeah. so centered on food and like um, we were. eating disorders were just rampant. And um, mm-hmm. I probably spent the first twenty five years of my life thinking about what I was going to eat next and how many calories I had in it, and just yes. what a waste of energy. So I've exactly. noticed that too. The girls in um, this generation. One of the things that I did, like you had a thing that happened to you, and I did the same similar thing where I said, I'm never going to do that. I grew up in a family where you had to eat everything on your plate because my, mo- oh, my, yeah. Yeah, my mother was, um, you know, she has a bit of a neurotic personality disorder and she cooked and she was very good at it. But if you didn't eat it, she would get really upset. So you just had to eat it. And so I grew up eating all your food and- had that develop, you know, people who've had to do that have a, get a really strange relationship around food. But I said, I'm never going to make my yeah. kids eat all their food. So my kids, if they don't want to eat dinner and they're not hungry, they don't have to. It's not like you have to eat your food. So I probably swung the other direction. So they yeah. they know to stop. If you're full, you don't eat. So they'll, they'll eat right. a little bit and then they don't finish their food. And I just, I look at that as I'm so interested in that because they will eat half the food and then just push it away because they don't yeah. have this obsession with like having to right. eat it. Um, oh yeah. One of my daughters does that. And it actually drives me insane. She like literally eats all, but about three bites and then that's it, you know? And I don't think she even knows she does it, but yeah, yeah. It's, that's, that's a much healthier way to, to look at it. Right. You know, they don't obsess over the food like right. we did. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully that will help. I mean, they've, and they've got so much more pressure than we do with all this social media and all the pictures have to right. be face tuned and everything, but it's really a minefield raising teenager. Well, I think it's always been a minefield. My parents would have said the same thing, but it's a minefield raising teenagers right now, isn't it? I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, I will say though, like as, as obsessed as they all are, and anyone who says that they're not, is just not being honest, as obsessed as they all are with social media, they're on it all the time. But I don't get the sense that my girls feel like they are trying to measure up to someone, which I'm so grateful for because you see it like you see that a lot. You hear stories. I mean, I've, I've, you know, watched 2020 or whatever talk about suicide because of Instagram and things, just awful things like that. And, And so I don't I know it's a huge, huge problem and I don't know why they're not um, using that as a way to measure their, you know, self-esteem, which I'm so grateful that they don't seem to be doing that. And then the other thing is like, and I don't know if your kids were like this or not, but did they go through a phase where, um, 
they could like, you would pick up your phone and you'd be looking at your photos and all you would find is like a hundred pictures of them, you know, making funny, ridiculous faces oh, yeah. into your, right. Absolutely. So like, that's the opposite, right? So, mm-hmm. so there's also, there's the Instagram perfection nation, right? But then there's also this, like, they're not afraid to make a ridiculous face, yeah. right? And I would never put a picture of that, of me on social media. Like, I just, you're never going to see that, but they're, they're happy. They're like, you know, like uh, one of them fell down the stairs the other day, walking outside and she couldn't wait to come home to see if we had the ring video so that she could watch it. So she could put that online so everyone could laugh at her falling down the stairs. I'm like, no, we don't have that. But you know, so there's a, there's like that, that dichotomy, kind of like that balance of they're not afraid to be silly and make fun of each other and make fun of themselves mostly. Um, you know, and it's kind of just like on the other end of the spectrum of the Instagram perfection. So yeah, I love that idea. It's not, it's not all bad. Cause that's a good reminder. Yeah. Cause I, sometimes I yeah. think it's all bad, but there's a lot of really good things that can be done with yeah. social media too, if we use it wisely. So, I mean, right. especially since you're, um, I mean, you're in the, you're in the beauty industry, this is your thing and you've been so incredibly successful and you're personally gorgeous and have this beautiful body. I, I don't know if, if, if my mom looked like you, I, if, I might, if, <laughs> might make me insecure, but you're so sweet. I don't think my girls feel that way there. Uh, <laughs> I think they just think you of you as mom. Don't they? I don't know. Totally. Just, yeah. Totally. 100%. They're yeah. like borderline embarrassed most of the time. So <laughs> yes, yeah. no, I'm pretty sure your kids are incredibly proud of you. You're like a total rock star. And, and those people who are listening, who don't know you, they have no idea. Like well, Susan is a complete rock fitness rock star my kids like my kids might realize that when they're like 40 but right now they, they just right, think they i'm will. stupid yeah because they will you know because they're gonna realize once they're you know in ensconced in their careers they're gonna be like no wait a second when did mom get up and tra- when did she train i don't how <laughs> when did she actually train well i know when you trained it was at five o'clock in the morning yeah right you know and they probably weren't really very cognizant of that at the time they slept through they, the whole thing yeah yeah that's really funny. So, exactly. um, so you're you're on the edge of everything that's happening in the beauty world, which is so exciting. So for women our age, like we know we know a lot of the things that are out there. Um, what's the? So you have beautiful hair. I was we were talking before this started about things like hair extension. So women have yep. some of the things that happen with women our age, like thinning hair. Um, of course color changes, it fades or turns gray. Like, right. And then you personally are very aware of all the wonderful things we can do for our skin. And I'm not, and I'm not talking about having a facelift, although that's perfectly fine too. But what, what's the, what are the new wonderful things in um, your world in the upper hand that people can enjoy to take care of themselves when they're 50-ish or 60-ish? You know, hair now is so much a reflection of your personality. And then, you know, when COVID happened, it was really interesting. We, when we were closed, all of the salons, we would, you know, conference call from all over the country and we would get together and, and have these forums and try to figure out the best way to do things when we reopened and what can we expect? Are people going to be afraid to come back? Are people going to be rushing back? What's it going to be? And the reality, at least in Texas, was that um, people rushed back like as fast as they could. I was an emergency. Our, My hair was growing was, out. And, yeah. Yeah. Like full on emergency 
time. And um, it was, it was really funny because like our June was like Christmas really instead of Christmas. So, um, but what's interesting is after being closed for that time and people kind of reevaluating their lives, because we had no choice, but to reevaluate our lives during that quarantine time. um, Really what we've seen is that people are coming back but they're coming back in a stretched out way. So if they would, they used used to see us like maybe every six weeks. Now it's really maybe every like 12 weeks and it's really kind of held. So that's an interesting trend. And along with that, um, more women have decided to embrace their gray. So you've Hmm. got sort of this shift away from, you know, I'm, uh, I'm tired of, of covering everything up and I'm just going to be the most beautiful me which is a really, really great way to proceed. You know, it's just a great way to, to look at beauty. It's just be the best you that you can be and don't pop on every single trend that comes down the pike because it very well could not have been a very good trend for you. Like look at eyebrows in the fifties and sixties. That, that's, mm. that's all I need to say on that. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, so now I feel like what's, um, the, the, you know, we do loads of color, loads and loads of color, but because women are really wanting to stretch out the time in between their visits, we're doing a lot more, um, what we like to call lived in hair, you know, so it's, it's very, um, it's still sophisticated and, and pretty looking, but it's, but it's very lived in and comfortable. And it doesn't look, um, you know, like hairsprayed or shellacked or anything like that. So the thing is, is that, in many cases to get that look, that lived in look, you have to do a few things, you know, in the, at the hair salon in order to get that look. So it's, it's funny cause it's a casual look, but you actually have to do a bunch of stuff to get to that look. So, um, the things that are, are really the most popular and, and that I almost like highly endorse for pretty much anybody, but definitely women in their fifties is we kind of started talking about it before we started recording is Brazilian blowouts. Oh, I love that. Because Can't live without it that. Is, I'm telling you like, you know, they've been around for a while and, and I have really super fine hair. Um, and I always thought, I can't get a Brazilian blowout because my hair is going to be too flat and too straight and I'm not going to be able to do anything with it and yada, yada. And so one day I decided to do, to do it. And I was like, this is life changing because you know, what happens is, um, you have lots of texture in your hair. You have lots of curl. My hair has always been really, really straight, but when you start going gray, you know, that, that hair has a completely different texture to it. Mm, So now it needs to be treated differently than what my hair was when I was 25. So the Brazilian blowout gives you back that beautiful texture. And then, you know, it really, one of the things, one of the signs of youth is, is beautiful hair. In fact, there've been studies, you know, where if you judge how, can you judge how old a person is by looking at the back of their head? And it's really, really interesting. So think about that next time you're in the line at the grocery store. Mm. And if you don't see the person's face, just look at, look at the back of their head and their hair and see if you can judge how old they are. And then when you see their face, see if it matches up, but beautiful hair is one of the things that make you look most youthful. So to me, it's always worth that investment. And the Brazilian blowout, what it does is it basically kind of like encapsulates each hair so that it keeps the frizz out, the moisture out. 
but it keeps it completely hydrated. So you end up with this silky, healthy hair. It actually makes your hair healthier. Oh, I so, love it. And the other thing that, God, that you, amazing. maybe about this is so important for me because my hair is so thick and it takes forever to dry it. Mm-hmm. When you've had a Brazilian blowout, it dries like in half the time. I can blow dry my hair in like five minutes. It used to take 15 minutes, which is 10 more minutes of your life back yeah. every day. It, it doesn't so. sound like a lot, but <laughs> it at adds the time up. it really is, <laughs> right? And your, your arms like are tired and everything. Yeah. When you're like us and you're perpetually five minutes late for everything, it's, it's, exactly. that's amazing. And I absolutely love what you said about women maybe transitioning because of this forced slowdown that we all had. Now yeah. you guys, you guys were closed for a couple of months. I was too, yeah. you know, we couldn't do surgery for a couple of months which was horrible. And I don't mean to silver lining. It was, you know, disastrous for the economy and all kinds of other things. But there was this really nice slowing down aspect that I enjoyed too. And I love the way you you perceive that that translated into maybe less fancy hair, like yeah. more, more, more lived in, more natural. And yeah. I think it'll be really interesting to see how like hair and fashion and things change. I've seen a lot more women not wearing as much makeup, maybe exactly. having a fashion sense that's a bit more dressed down and casual because you're kind of at home, you're on Zoom and yeah. you can yeah. still look cute and fabulous, but maybe you have flats and cute sweats on instead of a business suit. And I, for me, that feels so much more authentic. It's just- it, it's, I, I was just thinking that's the word authentic. It's really the word. And, and yeah, like I, so I have um, just from my own, like we've talked about self-care and you were just mentioning, you know, being more casual and your attire and things like that. So I have kind of developed this habit of, um, you know, I, I really have started enjoying working in my yard and gardening and things like that. So, you know, I try to carve out a little time to do that. And I have a a system so that I can do a little bit of that without getting too sweaty. And then I am able to, you know, go clean up a little bit, change my clothes, go to work for, you know, four or five hours and then, um, you know, do whatever with the kids, make dinner and and it all works. And I can like really wear like one outfit to do all that. (laughs) You know, like I might change my shoes or my, my shirt. But, but like for the most part, it's the same outfit and it works. Isn't that nice? And I'm so lucky. I get to wear my, my, you know, stretch scrubs. I could basically sleep. I could wear them 24 seven for like ever. Cause they're good for everything. <laughs> but, That's, um, I know you, I know you miss getting dressed up, but that to oh, me, that looks like heaven. <laughs> I don't, I don't really miss it. This is, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying my, I wear figs scrubs, just a little plug for figs are the most comfortable thing. Even if you're not in the medical field, just to buy some just to wear them around. They're just amazing. So I could talk to you for about a hundred years, but I know you have a, another commitment. Um, where can we find you? If you've been asleep for 25 years and you haven't seen the upper hand, it's time <laughs> to find out about it. So where can we find you and um, get all these fabulous things and, and, and just honor your self-care? Well, that's a great, great thing to do. Um, well, you know, the upperhand.com is our website and we have a great website and um, there's model gallery and there's information about all three of the location. They're all three on Westheimer. So if you live inside the loop, we have one at uh, Westheimer and Hazard. We have one at Westheimer and Woodhead. And then we have one at Westheimer and Kirkwood, which is on the west side of town. So um, we're really kind of 
conveniently located, but go to our website, go to theupperhand.com. You can link into our Instagram there or our Facebook and see some of the work. We do lots of uh, makeover videos. So we, we use real clients in these videos and it's so much fun to watch these. We love doing transformations. So, so we have lots of videos on our Instagram and Facebook and, and you can see transformations there. And, you know, you might be listening to this and be very much in the need of a transformation yourself. And so we would love to do that for you. And I um, just have, I always have to start and end talking about sex because that's all I think about these days. <laughs> Making yourself, and it does all tie together. You know, everything I, t- everything I think it about does. ties back to sex. And it might not be about physically having sex, but, how, you know, giving yourself self-care, leaving the salon feeling pretty and feminine and beautiful even if you're single, it makes, it makes me feel sexy. I love getting my hair done. It's just, it's part of just bringing that joy back to life. And for you, you, that translates into sex or wanting to be present with your family. So right. yeah, everything's about sex really, isn't it? It Rachel? is but you know definitely what? getting it's your just, hair done. It's very yeah, sensual. It, yeah. It, it, it's sensual and it gives you a boost of self-esteem and self-confidence. Mm-hmm. And we all know that you know, it's really not so much about what you actually look like. It's how it's how you feel. So, so if looking a certain way makes you feel a certain way, then that's what you should do. You know, you should give yourself that gift whenever you can, because you know, it's a foolproof formula to feel good. And that's what we all want is to feel good. And it's also generous. So it's not selfish. That's if you right. feel good, it's an act of generosity to your family and your partner because then you can be more present for them and you can give them more of yourself. So it's just a win-win for everybody. And thank you so much for That's being right. here for 25 years to help us all be beautiful. Oh, it's um, my pleasure. And thank you so much. You've done more for this community. And I, I can't even tell whoever's listening, like Susan is the best. I, I give out your name all the time. Whenever so I'm, sweet. you know, like the other day I was in Pilates class and someone was complaining about, um, you know, acne or, you know, hot flashes or something. I'm like, I know someone you should go see. I know someone. <laughs> and they're all like, oh my God, really? Yes, yes. This is what, because there are very few doctors who specialize in what you specialize in. And I love that you sort of morphed your, your practice from, you know, 20s and 30s and early 40s into what it's what it is now. Well, we so grow thank up. You. We, we grow up. <laughs> we grow up. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately. So we all grew up together. And I'm so honored right. to have known you for 20 some years. And oh, um, thank you so much for spending your time with us and sharing all this beautiful wisdom. And uh, go run off and do the next thing because I know you're a busy bee. And uh, everyone can find Rachel and her amazing business at uh, theupperhand.com and, and go do it. Go take care of yourself. You, you are worth it. Thanks, Susan. Thank you. Mm-hmm.